0: Greetings explorers. I have had an enormous amount of positive and enthusiastic feedback from my episode on circumcision and I was kind of shocked about that. I was shocked that just because I know it's such a touchy subject um, and triggering subject for a lot of people on a lot of levels. Um, yeah, it, I've gotten more feedback from this, positive feedback, than I have any other episode so far. People really want to be heard on this subject, which I think is really positive, and I hope that that is a sign that things are changing around this practice. I also received a note from NORM, the National Organization of Restoring Men, about some misinformation, that they thought was given at the end of the podcast regarding foreskin restoration. So um, I want to clear that up. And they said um, that it's not true that people need to be working on restoring all the time. Um... While it is true a man must be consistent at least three to four days per week, the amount of time can vary from nearly all the time to as little as 10 to 20 minutes a day. As well, she mentioned age as a factor. However, there is no documented evidence that the rate of restoration depends on a man's age. Men of all ages have restored successfully and usually within the one to four year range um, typically given. The time it takes generally depends on how tightly cut a man is, or how much skin he has to grow, his overall health, and other factors influencing skin growth such as genetics. In addition, there is no mention of a manual foreskin restoration which requires no tape or device and is very useful for men just starting out or who are very tightly cut and can't yet use a device. A man simply pulls the remaining foreskin with his fingers to put it under tension and then holds that tension. It can easily be done during activities such as watching TV. So if you're interested in learning more about foreskin restoration, you can go to norm.org and I appreciate that correction. We want to have um, proper the, the proper information about all of these things. Okay, so I am in Denver this weekend, May 1st and 2nd, and you can find more information about that at slash events. And coming up in this episode, we have a wonderful and experienced sex educator, Amy Jo Goddard. And she left me listening back to this episode just left me thinking a lot about all of the influences over our sexuality that seemingly have nothing to do with sexual expression or sexual connection, and all of the ways our sexual expression or sexuality affect other parts of our lives. Something that I'm constantly thinking about, talking about, exploring, um, because I do believe that Our sexuality is kind of the core, not kind of, it is the core of our being, of our life force energy, our chi, our prana. So a little something for you to think about as you listen to this episode, what other factors in your life are influencing or affecting your sexual expression? (laughs) Yeah, can you just share what you're doing in the world?
1: Oh, I'm doing so much in the world. This is a big (laughs) year. Uh, I'm in the final editing process uh, for my forthcoming book, Woman on Fire, Nine Elements to Wake Up Your Erotic Energy, Personal Power, and Sexual Intelligence. So that's coming out this September. Uh, We're also doing a second edition of my first book, Lesbian Sex Secrets for Men. And we're doing an ebook for the first time. We haven't done an ebook of that yet, so there's a lot going on in terms of publishing. And I've really been in writing mode over this last year, and and really finally um, putting my process the, that I really work with people, uh, that the framework that I use to work with people, uh, into hopefully a, a practical and interesting book that will help people really elevate their sexual lives, which is. What I love doing in the world. <laughs> cool. So,
0: so are there like practices and exercises and stuff in that one?
1: Yeah, it's super um, practical. Um, lots of exercises, and we're building out a whole um, website, you know, like portal that'll have sort of like really nice worksheets for everything, so that it it can be a really interactive process for people. And actually, my hope is that therapists and counselors will actually use the book with their Mm. clients because I think um, a lot of therapists lack really great training in sexuality and sometimes don't know how to address it and I think because the book is laid out around these nine elements that I think are really important for people to work on when they're really in that sexual empowerment process that that will actually help therapists to help their clients. It, it will give them a framework that they can also use if they if they choose to. So um, I'm really looking forward to presenting the work to more therapeutic communities and um, family counselors and things like that where Amazing. where it could be a tool for them. Yeah,
0: so what are the nine elements?
1: The nine elements uh, they start it starts with voice. I think voice is. Uh, critical that we figure out you know you know there's that internal voice of sort of like all the stories we have about our sexuality and our history and the way that we've framed it for ourselves, and then the beliefs we've created around our sexuality so so it really I think starts with that and then that external voice is you know how am I communicating about sex how am I talking about my story to others Mm. how am I sharing myself and then also just like am I can I even be vocal sexually you know can I even use my voice sexually so I think there's a lot of elements with voice so I start with that because anytime a client comes to work with me whether it's a group program or a private client there's always issues around that and so I want to get that on the table and start to really dive into that and help them develop skills around that early so that we can continue to work on that throughout our work
0: yeah that's it's a pretty edgy place to start when you know it's like that is the hardest part for people I feel like is communicating And yeah. s- speaking speaking your truth getting in touch with yourself and yeah and then speaking to others or communicating to others about sex is wow yeah, yeah great
1: yeah in the big be- in the beginning it's really more about like what are your what's your internal voice saying uh-huh you know um what are the beliefs you've developed around sexuality in general, around your sexuality, around who you are as a sexual person, mm. around your body, around your ability to have relationships? You know we we you know it's really a sexual history taking that uh-huh. that I'm doing with any client. Um, so I give people some some ways to work on that on their own. And you know I do think that some of that work, depending depending on where people's belief systems have gone, sometimes you really need support. You need help around that. Um, so again, I think that's that would be a great process for a therapist to utilize and, and work with their clients with. So,
0: mm-hmm. okay, what else? What other So, elements? voice is uh-huh. first.
1: A S- uh, second is release. So there's you know, t- so there's that there's that clearing out process that we all need. Mm-hmm. There's always stuff. There's shame. There's guilt. There's you know those beliefs that just aren't working for you anymore and they're getting in the way. There's you know, there might be relationships we need to clear out. There, you know, there's a lot of things we need to release and clear out. And so it's really doing kind of more of the excavation process um, so that we can make space for everything we want to bring in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so from there, we go into emotion. So, um, so what's happening in terms of our emotional skills and really looking honestly at where we are with our emotional skills and you know I think we all learn to be defended we all learn to protect ourselves and we do that in different ways and so um, I do a lot of work on emotional skills with my clients and a lot of times they're surprised because they think you know well, I'm I'm coming to you to work on sex you know there's something happening in my sex life that brought me in the door. but that's so necessary in order for us to show up the way we want to show up in sex and actually receive the way we want to receive. In yeah.
0: Sex. People. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking I taught a workshop last weekend and one of the feedback pieces I got from someone was like, they wrote me an email after They're were like, I wasn't expecting it to be so emotional. You know, everyone is a women's workshop and lots mm-hmm. of tears and you know, whoever shows up with whatever is present, but there's a lot of, of that piece of that emotional movement.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course it's emotional. <laughs> it's vulnerable. It's it, it kicks up all of our stuff, you know. And then we learn these emotional patterns from our families and from however relationships and sex were modeled for us. Um, sometimes people will say, well, I didn't get any messages about it. I'm like, well, yeah. even though no one talked to you about it doesn't mean you didn't get messages. So let's really look at what was modeled and, and what were some of those messages that you took in. And then how is it manifesting for you emotionally? Mm. And, and, and how are those patterns then showing up and getting in the way in relationships? Because mm-hmm. we've, gotta, we've really got to tweak those and work on those so that you can actually get the things that, that you want and learn how to really ask for them. In a way that's inviting, and in a way that's going to, um, you know, build intimacy with mm-hmm. with partners, and not um, disenfranchise yourself from them, which is what a lot of us do because we learn to do that. We have really poor role modeling. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. Okay. So emotion is three, four is the body. So of course, the body is the site of so much of our sexuality, our sexual expression, our pleasure, our, you know, our experience of our senses and sensuality in the world. So, um, really looking at, you know, you know, a couple, that, that chapter in the book was challenging for me to write because there's so much. And I was like, oh my God, I, I know I can't go into like a whole, you know, huge thing on issues with body image and the problems in our culture. So I address that to a degree and try to kind of get to the core of what's important to understand and what some of the myths are around the body and in particular, the sexual body. Uh, And then there's just, there's a lot of education that we just, we miss. We do not get um, in terms of how women's bodies work, um, what the female sexual anatomy is, what all of that erectile tissue is, um, how to how to really explore it and and have pleasure so um, and that's really I'm such an anatomy geek like I mm-hmm. love teaching that stuff and uh, always have so that's always one of my favorite pieces in my sexual empowerment programs with women so um, so I did the best I could in a chapter in a book but uh, it's it's a huge topic I mean that could be a whole book in and of itself and there are some of those books so yeah so yeah
0: and it's so important um, we were just talking about this in my last interview, naming the parts. Like until yeah. we name them and identify them and know they exist, that you know, how do you even access them? Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, just go to the left. You know, yeah. it might be easier if you could say inner labia. That's that's the part. Yeah. You know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and I just think th- it's such a huge source of empowerment when a woman. When anyone, but I think because there's so much ignorance about female genitals, um, that when we really come into like a much more comprehensive knowledge of what's really happening in terms of our parts, like that is a huge source of empowerment. You know, I know for me that was a a huge site of my own empowerment and, and where like something very, very big elevated in me and Mm -hmm. sort of like I have this knowledge about my own body and it's not, you know, and especially with the genitals where it's like we're used to going to the doctor and and they get to look but like I've never looked or they get to touch and they get to probe and you've never done that for yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, so having, you know, really coming into that full agency of like this is my body and I I, this is my domain, you know, and you know, I can go in and talk to a doctor with authority over Mm -hmm. this body, which is mine, Mm -hmm. you know, and I want that for all people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so body's big. Um, And so then from there, we go into desire, which is, you know, gosh, there's just so many issues around desire. Um, Women come to me with desire issues all the time you know it's like what oh it's there's a list there's a long list of them you know it's either I don't have any and I don't know what's wrong with me it's um I used to have desire and it went away where did it go or it's uh my partner and I have discordant desire like either I want it more or they want it more and I don't know what to do about it and we're having trouble um Or it's, you know, actually for a lot of women, what I find is like, they really don't know what they desire. yeah They really have no idea. Um, I've been talking a lot with the women in my women's sexual empowerment program about this lately. We're coming up on our third weekend, which is all about desire and communication. And so I've been giving them a lot of assignments around desire and helping them to kind of prep for that work um, that we'll do together. And You know, even at the last weekend when I was kind of starting to do that lead in, one of the women said, I just I could could you make like a master list of of things we could want? Because I don't even know what to want. Like, I don't know what to ask for because I don't know what's on the menu, which if you think about it, that would be really hard. Like if you went into a restaurant and you sat down and the waiter came over and said, well, what do you want? and they had never given you a menu, and you had no idea what they could even make for you or what ingredients were available, how would you know what to order?
0: Totally. That would
1: be very overwhelming. You're like, uh, I don't know. Should I have a banana mash? Or <laughs> do I want rice and beans? Or maybe you can make me a pizza, right? You I mean, you wouldn't know. Right. And so I think that's really how a lot of women feel. Mm-hmm. It's like they're in this huge domain of sexuality and you know, my view is that, you know, and I think particularly for heterosexual women, they've been following a very male model of sexuality their whole lives. You know? And we all learn that model. Mm-hmm. All of us learn it in the culture. It is ubiquitous. Um, you know, I think more and more people are starting to question it, and we're starting to get away from this, um, this really limited idea of what sex is, and what it should look like, and what roles we should play. You know, but really, you know, particularly for women who partner with men, they tend to just follow. And so it, it you know, sex takes on the trajectory of, you know, what the guy wants, you know, and, and oh, now I've, you know, we've had intercourse, you know, and that's the pinnacle and now I've ejaculated and it's over, you know, and that's, that's really the story that so many people are living. Mm -hmm. So when you start talking to them about, like, you could ask for other things and you could want new things and you could have sexual firsts, it's like, really? Like, what would that be?
0: Right, right, yeah. And I, I also think there's a piece around like feeling deserving, like you can even have a desire, particularly for women, mm-hmm. right? They're like, they feel shame of in even having a desire, sexual or otherwise, because oh, yeah. we're totally. so cultured <clears throat> to take care of everyone else, right? Yep.
1: Yeah. It's a huge piece of it, you know? It's, I feel like a lot of the work I do with women is helping them really, you know, learn to receive um and and quit the people pleasing. You know, yeah. there's a huge section on people pleasing in my book because it's th- there's never been a client that has walked through my door that we didn't have to work on that. No. Every single client I've I, ever had, I worked still, on that.
0: Still, I mean, I've been doing this a lot of self transformational work for a long time, and I've gone pretty deep, and I still see that shit coming up. Yeah. It is we're oof. socialized that yeah, way. Yeah, it's Absolutely. intense. <laughs>
1: yeah, yep. I think it's. You know, and then that it can show up, you know, in less harmful ways sexually, but there's some actually really harmful ways that could show up sexually, you Mm -hmm. know, and especially over time, Mm -hmm. um, when a woman is setting aside her, her desires and just always doing what this other person wants, whoever they're partnering with or whatever people they're partnering with, um, and just meeting their needs constantly, um. Sometimes people end up doing things they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there can be a lot of regretted sexual experiences um, and a lot of emotions that then get pushed down because then we don't know how to deal with that and there's not skills to deal with that. And then it, it ends up leaking in anger or in, in the defensive mechanisms that people build up. Um, and it makes a relationship really toxic. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a big piece. Yeah.
0: And where do you fit people-pleasing into – it? does it belong in one of the nine steps or nine
1: – was it? Yeah, <laughs> the nine elements. Elements, yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, I think it's an emotional piece. You know, I think it's yeah. an emotional skill. Um, so that's kind of where I talk about it. But, you know, it shows up in lots of ways. Um, and definitely, you know, around desire. And I think that's, that's again, as you said, you know, a really – big reason why women don't know what to desire because it's like but I'm just supposed to please you and Mm -hmm. that's what I've been trained to do and you know even though it's 2015 and you know we've made huge strides you know there that still really exists I think on an interpersonal level for the majority of women yeah so
0: okay so what's after desire
1: after desire is permission so it's really, you know, and I feel like a lot of the work I do is permission giving, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to make this okay, you know, I'm going to really say yes, yes, you know, explore this or yeah, you can have that fantasy or yeah, like, like, it's okay to want and desire and let's talk about what that might be. And, you know, I feel like a lot of the work I do is I make space, you know, for that kind of permission and hopefully, you know, ultimately the goal is that each client will will give herself or himself that permission you know and I think I think um, a lot of people have a hard time giving themselves permission to want things sexually to have desires um, so you know to explore to do the things that are required if you're going to figure out what your desires are Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of men have that too you know especially like the really good guys that, like, they want to treat women with a lot of respect, then they end up also holding back a lot and feeling like they don't have enough permission to really, like, express the sexuality they'd like to because they don't want it to in any way harm their female partner or create a space that feels unsafe so I think we end up with a lot of people like tiptoeing around each other and then no one's expressing desire and then like sex fizzles and then 10 years later they're like I don't know what happened right (laughs) yeah yeah so I think we all need more permission around sex and so it's really exploring that and learning to give that to yourself
0: yeah, and our our sexual energy, like that move you know, just that life force movement in the body is that's some big energy. Once you start to unleash it and tune into it, it it can be overwhelming. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. so what's after permission?
1: After permission is play. No. One of my favorites. You know, I I love teaching in person. You know, I I do virtual groups as well, but there's it's so much fun to teach in person because I get to create playgrounds, you know, and it's like we all need playgrounds. A lot of us got play totally squashed out of us as children. Mm -hmm. I definitely did. I grew up really fast. My parents divorced when I was young. I was the oldest, all that stuff. So I was like this really serious kid and I had to really learn you know, or kind of relearn how to play as I got older and to not take everything so seriously. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I can relate to that. I think a lot
1: of people can. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you know, I can remember my father saying things like, you know, quit horsing around, quit your playing, stop laughing. You know, there's like a lot of that stuff that we hear from adults who are uncomfortable with play. Uh Uh-huh. You know, so I think it's really relearning how to play and embrace play as an adult and figure out like, well, what are the playgrounds that I could have in my life? Not just sexual, like other kinds of playgrounds too. You know, your kitchen can be a playground. Your, your shop can be a playground. Your art room, your, you know, um, the gym could be a playground, you know. So um, figuring out what those playgrounds are. and then And then another piece in that element is skill. So I think play and skill are really related because through play, When we, like, explore something just for the sake of exploring it, Mm. not because there's a goal, just like, let's just be playful. Let's just, like, let's play dress up, you know? How fun would that be? And see what happens, you know? When we do that, sometimes we hit on something that we're like, oh, oh, that touched something in me. That was super fun. I want to do that again. Mm -hmm. And then if you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, you're practicing it to the point where then it actually becomes a skill that you have and so I think that's part of how we develop sexual skills and so I talk a lot about we have to develop sex as a skill and relationships as skills Um, so let's look at like what are the skills you're deficient in what are the skills you want to really work on develop Um, what are the things you want to learn and then where could we where could you learn that and then, you know, don't forget to, like, just play and enjoy it and not take it too seriously <laughs> while yeah. you're at it. Yeah, <laughs> so.
0: exactly. We can get way too serious about that. I wish that was – there was more messaging around the skill-building part of this because I, I feel like people get in relationships especially. I work a lot with moms, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> most of which are not having sex when they come to me. And – and um, you know it's like oh well this is something you have to constantly be cultivating mm-hmm. and they're like what huh no that means we're broken you know and no it's just you know these are seeds that need like watering and air and sunlight and attention to continue
1: to grow mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's so crazy to me how people put sex in this total other category mm. like like all the rules that apply to everything else just don't apply to sex right right. like sex should just spontaneously happen yeah i don't have to put any effort into learning how to do it it's just instinctual you know it's just natural yeah and it's like you know i i find myself talking about that all the time like sex is learned Mm -hmm. you do not come into the world knowing how to have sex you do not come into the world knowing how to have an orgasm you might have a happy accident fantastic yeah you know we love happy accidents that's great but you know it's it's a skill set it requires several many skill sets and it's really about like you, we have to learn like learn how to touch learn how to communicate learn how to tap into our own desire and where our yes and our no is on any given day and how to then like transmit that to another human being we have to learn how to masturbate and how our body works and how to have orgasms i mean it goes on and on and on
0: Yeah, and I like what you touched on, like day to day, it changes, it's different, because a Mm -hmm. lot of people in like these, you know, more traditional monogamous, like long-term relationships have like a thing that they do that Mm -hmm. works maybe for a certain amount of time, and then they get Mm -hmm. bored, or they have a baby, or something changes, and it doesn't work anymore, and Mm -hmm. they're like, what happened? It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, actually, you might want something totally different than what you're doing, Mm -hmm. but you've never... You know, touched into your desire, or given
1: yourself permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to me, that's what's so fun about sexuality. Yeah, it's like you're missing the point. Like, <laughs> like it's very dynamic. And uh-huh. you know, when people treat it as if it's this static thing that we just need to keep status quo, like that doesn't make any sense. If you think about how powerful and um, potentially transcendental or ecstatic or just pleasureful and exciting sex can be, then it doesn't make any sense that that's what it would be. Mm -hmm. It's just going to stay status quo. No. You know, like you're going to have days where you just like completely lock in with a partner or with your own body and you have like the most amazing ecstatic experiences. You're going to have days where Eh, you know, it's not (laughs) working today, or something's just wonky, or my mood really isn't right, or maybe it has to do with where I am in my cycle, or, you know, or I'm not feeling that great about my body, or I'm not feeling that great about my relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. so many things impact it, and, uh, you know, it's just like, if you think about cooking a great meal, like, would you, would you assume that you would know how to make fantastic Thai food without, Mm -hmm. if someone just said, you know, here's some pans, and some utensils, there's a few ingredients here make make us great Thai food like would you know how to do that no like we wouldn't we don't know how to do anything until we're taught how to do it we don't even know how to eat we have to be taught how to suckle Mm. a breast yeah right it's like nothing is instinctual you know Mm. instincts are involved in sex Mm -hmm. but it's not instinctual you have to learn it and so I you know a lot of times people are like oh you know you're a sex educator, you know. Oh, do you work with teenagers, right? Yeah. Because, of course, teenagers are the only people that need sex ed. <laughs> and I say, no, I work with former teenagers who never got sex ed as teens and really need it now as adults, mm-hmm. you know. Like, like most of us didn't get great sex ed when we were young. We grow up into adulthood. Suddenly we're in adult relationships, and we're supposed to do that well. Yeah. With what preparation?
0: With no body literacy at all and Mm -hmm. no communication skills. Right.
1: (laughs) Very little emotional literacy unless we have like a super healthy, well-balanced family that taught us emotional skills. So uh, where, uh, you know, adults need sex ed too. (laughs) This
0: is kind of a tangent, but I want to, yeah, I I would be curious to Mm -hmm. know like what would your vision be for like teen or adolescent young people sex ed?
1: Um, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of inclusive, comprehensive sexuality education. Uh, I'm very lucky that earlier in my career I got to actually participate in that, uh, in New York City Public Schools, Mm. and, um, and worked in an alternative school where I was really trusted by faculty in the role that I was there for, and I was able to teach a comprehensive class um can you
0: define comprehensive because I also know that actually sometimes those words get co-opted by things that aren't truly comprehensive
1: and that program even did yeah so that was what was interesting um you know I was working through an agency in New York City and we were able to go into these schools and do this work and so the idea with comprehensive sex ed is that we're not you know we're going to talk about abstinence but we're not just going to talk about that we're also going to talk about contraception and we're also going to talk about relationships and we're going to talk about sexual identity and we're going to talk about the body and we're going to you know we're going to cover like all of of these major areas of sexuality um i think you know in an ideal world we would be doing sexuality education from pre-k to adulthood Mm -hmm. and that would just be the norm that of course you know and when i say that to people you know and in that program we were doing you know pre-k through 12 uh and when i say that to people they're like what yeah what were you teaching kindergartners you know they're like horrified like like, yeah we were showing them sexual positions you know like what do you think like (laughs) but if you think about it like well it's just like any other subject you know when a child is young like you're not going to teach a kindergartner algebra right you're going to teach them their numbers you know yeah You know, then you're going to get into some addition and some subtraction. You know, then you're going to work on multiplication. Then, you know, so sex ed is no different. It's the same thing. There are age-appropriate things. There are really, really great guidelines that uh, have been developed by the Sexuality Education and Information Council for the United States, um, also known as SECAS. They've developed guidelines for, you know, K through 12. Everything that, you know, is age-appropriate that should be taught to... To children um so and and that was done with a large task force of of experts so um you know i think you know the guidelines exist and the research exists that shows um that this is important um and and effective so you know but we're still living in this moralistic you know puritanical Mm -hmm place where there is no division of church and state and mm-hmm. and and we don't do it but I think if we had that my god we would be I, such different people I'm by getting the time all, we yeah lit up here
0: like smiling because I'm imagining a world where since kindergarten we learned about our bodies and mm-hmm. communication and emotions and mm-hmm.
1: wow right wow yeah and how much <laughs> sexual abuse could actually be <sighs> yes um you know not all of it can be avoided of course children you know don't they're not in a power position of course but you know like teaching children about like what's good touch and bad touch and and that they get to have boundaries Mm -hmm. and that this is their body and really teaching them an agency over that body and an ownership over that body um, and then how to communicate if something isn't right you know those are super important skills Mm -hmm. that that young people need and um You know, God, I've just heard so many sad stories over my career. Mm -hmm. So many experiences people have had where they just, they didn't know how to talk about it or they thought they shouldn't or there was so much shame or there was no adult in their life they felt like they could. And, you know, if we had that kind of education, every child would know there was an adult they could talk to. Right. Even if it wasn't their parent. Right. Um, And they'd have some skills to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But we don't give that to us you know someday someday. and god forbid we talk about pleasure
0: oh yeah that's 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 (laughs) the other piece that comprehensive you know ideally comprehensive sex ed would include pleasure absolutely yeah absolutely yeah
1: and it's like the p word it's like this bad word or something it's really crazy Mm -hmm. you know this world that we're still living in uh and that you know like do you really think kids don't know it feels good and that's why people want to have sex (laughs) like obviously they know why don't we like address that instead of trying to scare them out of it yeah um you know young people don't respect adults who do that Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of respect for adults who will answer their questions honestly and just create space for them to just to grapple with difficult things to have conversations that they don't get to have we all need that and adults Mm -hmm. need that you know so adults come to me and they're like telling me things they've never told anyone because they learned the silence around Mm -hmm. sexuality Mm
0: -hmm. yeah how often do you get I've never said that out loud before it's it's yeah that's a permission piece it's such an honor and I look forward to the day where like I don't hear that as much too you know
1: (laughs) exactly Yeah. yeah yeah
0: Okay, so I want to ask you more about your background, but we're going to loop back to the last couple um, elements. Yeah,
1: so the last two are home, Mm. uh, which is really about, you know, I I realized years ago that what, you know, and I went through my own process around this um, in, in many different ways too, but I realized what was really required was that we have to come home to ourselves. You know, there's so many ways in which we abandon ourselves Mm. and we're leaving ourselves in our relationships we're we're leaving ourselves in our sexuality um we're dissociating we're just we're we're going outside of ourselves to please other people um we're pretending we don't have needs we're forsaking ourselves and uh and so to me home kind of brings like all those pieces kind of come together in home of like what does it mean for me to be really at home in my sovereign self, you know, and then if I'm going to be in relationship with someone else to come together with you, who is also at home in your sovereign self. And then we come together and there's some alchemy that happens and we get to create something together that could be really exciting and amazing, but we don't have to leave ourselves to do it. Mm-hmm. It's a very different orientation towards love and relationships.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, n- there are no pop songs about that. No, <laughs> no.
1: Baby, I need you, I'm dying. I, how dare you leave me?
0: I, I love music, but I've been so aware of how, I mean, it's like every song, I'm like, I can't. Even like I hear myself singing these lyrics right. and I'm it's like kind of oh, horrible. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> it's really we horrible. need like a revolution of yeah, just sex positive, relationship positive lyrics. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have this friend Dave Buddha, uh, he actually wrote a song making fun of that, you know? He he talks about He's this great musician based in, well, he was based in California. I think he's, he's traveling the world right now. He's in Bali or something. But he has this great song where he's like, you know, after you've read enough Byron Katie and, <laughs> and like, done all this work on yourselves or gone to Landmark Forum or, you know, like, whatever the work is you're doing and you've really become conscious, you just, you can't listen to those songs. He's like, I just can't, can't write those songs anymore. Yeah. So he just wrote, like, the most ridiculous Like, version of, like, that, like, all-encompassing, you know, like, I'm nothing without you, like, horrible, codependent, you know, song. And it's just, like, yeah, I really appreciate that. so funny. (laughs) It's really true. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, so Home and then Fire. Of course, because mm. the book is Woman on Fire. So the fire, you know, really is that core part of ourselves, that that sexual energy that I believe is the core of all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes people are like, I lost my fire. It went out. I'm like, no, it didn't go out. There's still an ember or something there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think we all start from that energy. That energy is our core We have a well of energy inside of us that we draw from to create everything we are here to create, whether that's art or music, whether we're making love, whether we're making babies, making family or community, um, cooking a delicious meal, you know, um, creating a business, creating whatever, whatever it is we're here to create, um, creating beauty in the world, you know, we use that energy, we draw on that well, so, um. So it's really tapping into that well and and allowing ourselves to be really guided from that, like, core sexual and erotic energy um, that has nothing to do with, you know, anybody else. You know, we can choose to share it with someone else if we want, but it's really our energy and our core fire. So so I end the book with that because... you know, I seemed appropriate. I am excited about this
0: book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm this too. Is a Thank good you. teaser. Okay. Uh, where can people, you said people can pre-order now.
1: Yeah. It's already on Amazon. If you just look up Amy Jo Goddard and look, you know, woman on fire, there's other things called woman on fire, but if you search it with my name, it'll come right up. Please pre-order it. I Order am, your copies. I Order kidding. it for everyone who's going to have a birthday or a group Holidays after September. (laughs) It comes out in September, so... It sounds amazing. I mean, just
0: those little... I mean, you just gave us, like, nine little tidbits that were so full and juicy of good stuff, Yeah. Yeah. There's great
1: stories in the book. There's, you know... Mm. I include client stories and some of my own stories. Um, But, yeah, it's, you know... So it's hopefully interesting and also practical you know I'm, I'm i'm a fan of making things really practical and and feel it i want them to i want it to feel attainable for people um and i don't think there's anyone that can't work through those things and and take themselves to a whole other level mm-hmm. so yeah
0: that's huge the a- attainability of it because i think that mm, i don't know i've been thinking about this in the last couple of days how you know like back to pop cult- popular culture, but like Cosmo, right? Like every freaking cover of Cosmo is like the best orgasm ever. I know. It's like, <laughs> well, if you were really giving that information, you wouldn't need to keep putting that on every cover, you know? And so there is this, I, I think a lot of people are walking around feeling broken because yeah. they're not having like, you know, ecstatic sex. Meanwhile, they have no idea what that even means. Mm-hmm. Um, Or looks like, or feels like, or what's possible, or what you know, all Mm -hmm. of those things. The bar is so low. Yeah, (laughs) the bar is low, and then then what's kind of put out there is like a token seems so far away. It's like, what are the steps? And so Mm. you're kind of like, this is actually all already in you, and here's how you start to work with it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And just breaking it down because I think you know a lot of times um, women will come to me and they'll say. Something like, you know, I I know there's some work that I'm supposed to do and I know it has to do with this part of me, with my sexuality. Yeah. Like I don't I don't I can't really put my finger on it. I just know that if I worked on this part, it would change things Mm -hmm. for me in a really big way. Um and I and I think it sexual it is that powerful. I've just I've watched that transformation in so many people. I've gone through it myself Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen what that means for people. I mean, you know, women stand up for themselves more in the world. They express themselves in a bigger way. They demand more money at work. They, you know, they own their worth and they take up space in a different way. I mean, there's just so many ways that doing this work on the sexual self impacts everything else absolutely and we can't ignore it and i think that's what a lot of people do they stuff it down and they're like okay okay yeah i'll go to therapy but we're not going to deal with that you know and a lot of therapists don't deal with it and don't ask about it you know um
0: yeah it, it vet your sex therapists. big like mm-hmm. get good recommendations like from yeah. your sex educators or yeah cause yeah even sex therapists have quite a range of skill yeah. And, yeah.
1: and philosophy yep Yeah, you have to find a fit. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's such an incredible process, you know, Mm -hmm. and so transformative when people really step into their own sexual power and what that means for their personal power in all areas of their lives.
0: I love that you end with fire and you have the elements, you know, they're the nine Mm -hmm. elements because that fire is transformational. That's Mm -hmm. what that element does. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, and it also gives you that energy to move forward and ignite Yep. 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 awesome um okay so i want to hear kind of like your background how you ended up here
1: i uh well i was definitely someone who growing up like had no adult i could talk to about sex um I grew up with a single parent in a single parent home with my father, which was really unusual in the '70s and '80s. Um, it's still unusual, but it's more common that that parents would share more custody, and you know. But usually, if one parent had custody, it was almost always the mother. So. Um, And my dad was in the military, Um, you know, there just wasn't conversation about sex in our house. I didn't feel comfortable talking to him about it. I don't think he felt comfortable talking to me about it. We didn't have that conversation. And my mother, you know, had been a Catholic. She called herself a recovering Catholic. Um, And so there was just a lot of prudishness and, and also a lot of difficulty around sex. So I just, I really, I didn't have any adult that was talking to me about it. And I never got any sex education. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to three different high schools because we moved around so much. Um, and so at the time when maybe I would have gotten a little bit, uh, I didn't even get that because it's like just my education just kind of got a little bit screwy because of so many schools. So um, so it wasn't until I went to college that I got any sex ed. And I took, I took sexuality immediately. My freshman year, I was like, oh, my God, I couldn't wait. I was ecstatic to take that class because I had gone through – all kinds of hard things. I'd gone through unplanned pregnancies. I'd gone through, um, sexual assault. I had, you know, I had just, you know, I didn't know how to have an orgasm. Um, I had been shamed about my body. I talk about that in my, my TEDx talk. Uh, you know, I got shamed when I was really young and then that kept me from touching my body for 10 years. I mean, it was like a really powerful shaming experience. Um, so I was really, really in the dark and really isolated, you know. And I went through a lot of, like, scary things and, like, didn't have anyone to turn to. And I just, you know, I became a a feminist activist in college. And, you know, and, and when I got the education, finally, I just sucked it all up. I just... I read like the Masters and Johnson's textbook cover to cover. I don't think I ever did that with any other textbook. <laughs> um, I highlighted. I still have it. I like, got all my highlights all throughout. Um, you know, I really took it seriously because it just it just opened up so much for me. Mm-hmm. And I got so much permission. Um, I had great great teachers, and um, and so ultimately, I just sort of I, I knew I wanted to help empower women and girls in particular, um, and I just finally realized, like, oh, like sexuality is that doorway that I want to really help people walk through, you know, and how the hell do I do that, you know, there was like no internet, this was the early 90s, um, you know, I went to a library to figure out, like, where do you even go to study this? Hmm. Uh, and that took me to NYU to get a master's degree in human sexuality education. I knew I wanted an advanced degree because I wanted to be taken seriously about it. And um, and I was taking it really seriously. So That's the
0: program that's now at Widener? it moved no No.
1: a lot of the faculty at Widener were at UPenn so at the time there was the NYU program the UPenn program and the Indiana University program only three programs in the entire country Um, there are many more now which is awesome there's even some undergrad programs that was just not available then Um, I wasn't going to Indiana (laughs) so it was between UPenn and New York but I really wanted to go to New York Uh, and to NYU. So, um, but yeah, a lot of the faculty at UPenn went to Widener, but yeah, both the UPenn and the NYU program no longer exist. So sad. It's really sad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you would think that schools would see like, oh, this is something really different that we could offer. And it would be really great, but they get scared and the conservatism I think takes over and they don't support it. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah.
0: Gosh, yeah. I, I, I'm I dying to go back to grad school, so I've done a lot of research, and there's not a lot of options. Well, I want to go through my PhD, mm-hmm. which is even less, and especially in education, you know, not doing, like, research or psychology, you know, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah there's different doorways you can kind of, like, get there through. Um, I talk to people about that a lot. You know, some people choose to do, like, a Master of Public Health, Um, and focus on sexuality if they want to do a more public health angle. There's um, human rights angles that sometimes people, like Columbia has a great program in human rights. Mm. Um, Carol Vance is up there. So there's people doing great work. And then, of course, there's tons of gender studies programs now and stuff like that. But, yeah, I think in terms of, like, yeah, really wanting to be an educator, there's not a lot of them. Mm So.
0: And do you feel like your did your education at NYU kind of set you on the path, or did you have to like keep exploring beyond that? I mean, clearly you've probably constantly been educating yourself and exploring, but um, I'm just curious, like, how, yeah, where that education landed you compared to like where you are now.
1: Um, I think what my what the program, you know, I think there. It wasn't necessarily the best program in the whole world. I learned a lot. Um, I met amazing people. You know, I loved the cohort of people that I was there with who we were all on a mission. You know, it was a very unusual field at that time. Um, It still is, but it's grown.
0: Were they training you to teach adolescents or adults?
1: Um, Neither. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was just, it was human sexuality education and and more generally speaking. Um, So yeah, we learned you know, a whole array of things in terms of sexuality, but, um, yeah, it, you know, I think the things that it did is it, you know, it did teach me a lot in terms of, you know, and, and, and got me going on, oh, here's where I want to explore more. Um, the places where sort of like the program left off and it got me to really take it seriously. It taught me how to be a professional who took sexuality really seriously and how to represent that in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helped me to network and meet the people that I needed to start meeting um, so that I could do the work I wanted to do, you know. And then I, I've i sort of done almost everything you can do, in, you know, in 20 years in sexuality. You know, I've worked for nonprofit organizations. I've worked in schools. Um, I've taught college um, and graduate school, Um I've worked as a consultant and a curriculum writer and a trainer, you know, so I've sort of like run the gamut in terms of like, here are all these inroads and ways I could do this. I've done media stuff, um, hosted programs. So, um, and written books, you know, (laughs) so I've done a lot of things. Um, but ultimately I knew the job I really wanted didn't exist and I had to create it. Mm -hmm. So, um, so ultimately I just really wanted to start my own business and create that work but I knew that I couldn't do that right away like I had a lot to learn I needed to you know up my game and and really just work on myself I needed to develop and, and get to a certain level personally and I think I think every person that's teaching sexuality has to do that They have to be doing their own work and it can't Mm -hmm. be like, oh, I've arrived and I'm so sexually fabulous, you know. Mm -mm. Um, And I think a lot of people want to come into the field because they think like, oh, I love talking about sex and it's super fun. And and, yeah, great. That's a great start, you know, but there's real work that has to be done there, Mm -hmm. you know, for you, you know, and you've got to really figure out like. What's going to trigger you? And, what you know, I learned some of that early on. I was mm. like, oh, I'm not ready to deal with that yet. Okay, good. You know, like you, you've got to do that work and that emotional work and, and then really learn the skills of teaching, counseling, therapy, you know, whatever, coaching, whatever you're going to be, like whatever the model is you're going to work in. So, um, so I spent a lot of time getting really great training around that and yeah. working with some of the like rock stars in the field. I mean, I've had lots of great mentors and I continue to study with people I respect. Um, I think that, that just, I don't want to stop learning. I, I want to continue to learn. I think sexuality is fun that way. So
0: absolutely. And it's, you know, it's something that we're, it's on. Un- Tap like you can learn about it forever and ever and ever. It's mm-hmm. unending mm-hmm. sexuality, yeah. you know. We're, we're very, um, in the very early parts of this journey,
1: yeah, <laughs> right now. And that, to me, that's that was part of the draw to the field, yeah, you know. It was like, wow, like, because I really am a pioneer, like, I am definitely a pioneering spirit. That's that's been the case my whole life, and um, and I loved that about this field of like. Oh, you know, this is a field where I like I could really make a mark, you know, where like there's a lot that we don't know and there's a lot that hasn't been done, you know, and 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 I want that, you know. I know that I want to I want to leave that mark in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so so this is my little corner of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <what I'm doing. laughs>
0: And one of the things that you teach around um, and coach people around is sex and money. And this is something that's been pretty hot for me in the past years. Like I've, I'm totally, you know, as a background, as a yoga teacher, like aware of like the energetic connection between those two things and the, and where that lies in the body and everything. But anyways, it's something I'm fascinated by personally. Um, And I want to hear more of, like, your take on the connection of sex and money.
1: Yeah, I've done a lot of teaching over the last three or four years around this topic. Um, It took me a lot longer to go through my own financial empowerment process. Um, I did my sexual empowerment, you know, that initial sexual empowerment process very early. Um, So when I really started looking at my money story and I really started looking at, like, what was holding me back financially and and like a lot of the things I had believed which even my mentors taught me Mm -hmm. you know some of my mentors oh bless them I I love them and I adore them uh you know but what I was hearing was you know oh well you can't make money as a sex educator and you know and you've chosen your passion you know and don't think you're ever going to make money doing this you know because they hadn't yeah so I really realized wow I need to go outside of the field to figure this part out because nobody i'm looking around at my mentors you know i had sex sexuality mentors i had feminist mentors i had spiritual mentors um and i was looking at all of them they were all women and, and the one thing they all had in common is none of them had figured out the money piece. wow and i was like okay this isn't rocket science it's not like there has to be a way i'm good at what i do you know and i think a lot of entrepreneurs feel that way like i'm good at what i do and why am i not
0: making money and oh yeah and that's that it's exactly a story it's Mm -hmm. a story that women in particular particularly accept and um you know healing arts or helping professionals Mm -hmm. if you're helping people then you should be
1: a martyr and not Mm -hmm. make money yeah oh yeah i mean i i hear sex educators say stuff like that all the time you know like but it's so important yeah (laughs) i can't charge money people need this well yeah people need heart surgery too yeah that's really important but you don't see heart surgeons going around saying oh i'll just give it to you (laughs) you know like you really need this no you know, mm. and so we have to step into our worth. So I think that worth piece is a really big through line. I have a whole class on this if people want to want to hear more about it. Um,
0: an online class or like a like an audio?
1: Go- well, there's an I have like a free audio people could listen to. There's a lot of articles on my website. Um, I teach an entire weekend on sex, money and power for women. And then I also teach um, a series that's an audio an, an, an audio class a, a virtual class um, called Going All The Way so I've developed like a, a real body of work around mm. this over the last few years because I was really determined to figure it out Yeah. Um, you know and I'm certainly not going to say I've arrived but I'm in a way 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 different place you know sex and money are the two biggest ways that we exchange energy you know I can't think of a bigger way I, I've I've challenged audiences in many places to you know please tell me if you can think of a bigger way but Uh, you know, we exchange money every single day of our lives, Mm -hmm. you know, for the things that we need, for the services we need. Um, you know, you're giving me something and I'm giving you money. You know, we use money as an energy of exchange and certainly sex, whether it's sex with yourself or sex with someone else is a huge exchange of energy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I also think that they're the two most transformative things in the world. Um, yeah. You know, and I, and you know, if people can think of other ones, I'd love to hear it, you know. Uh, But I think that when someone steps into their sexual empowerment, what that does for them in their lives, and when someone really starts to break through around money and make the money they want to make and bring that in and, and how that can transform their lives. I mean, those are two of the biggest ways we transform.
0: And they're also two of the biggest shame. Yes. Shame places taboos yeah yeah
1: absolutely they're the two things we don't talk about Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: then they're the two things that cause that people have the most problems with in relationships and obsession with right yeah (laughs) Yeah. it goes on and on and on yeah i've got like my 10 ways that sex and money are connected Mm. you know it's like there's there's certainly more than 10 but um but those are some of them you know and there's just like there's a big Thing around receiving and giving you know like that receiving and giving energy and really getting clear with that and learning how to I mean it's like if you can't receive sexually how do you think you're really going to receive the money that you want to have mm-hmm. you know and I've seen it show up in interesting way I mean I think people run parallel um, patterns around sex and money totally and people hate to hear that yeah. <laughs> usually but you know people really do and a lot of times people will come to me and they're like god i'm having this sexual issue you know i'm, I'm not getting erections or uh, i have my desire has plummeted or whatever and if i start to ask about money like oh yeah I, I recently lost my job or you know i've been really struggling you know i've been having all these self-worth issues around that and self-esteem you know it just there's there's often a connection and i find that um Sometimes in those sexual issues that like when something kind of goes just wonky, um, a lot of times there's something financially that's happened. So, um, so I think we have to really look at our patterns around both. And what is my relationship to these two things? And, you know, if I'm feeling shame about having money, I'm probably going to be feeling shame about Having sexual pleasure or ecstasy, or mm-hmm. you know, and, and of course there are two things where desire is really central. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
0: and desire and permission. You could yeah. do your next book can just be you know the nine elements for um, financial empowerment. <laughs> yeah, <I> know, right? <laughs> let's try to apply this. Yeah,
1: I've I've actually taught them around kink, like uh, the oh. nine elements of kink. So that's been kind of fun. When I sometimes I teach in in uh, kink environments. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of ways we can apply them. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And gosh, I mean, this feels like so big to like start to jump into like feminism and sexual empowerment and gender. And I don't even know where to begin, but I like have you here and I'm like, I should ask Amy Jo about these questions. Um, so I don't know if there's a way that your work has evolved, um, certainly for me as a feminist, like I see how early on I actually thought I had to shut down my sexuality. And, Mm -hmm. um, now there's this like piece around like mirroring the two, um, feminine, you know, feminine empowerment, feminism, sexual empowerment, all of that. So I'm just curious, like your journey and your work and how, The feminist thread is coming through now
1: it's a great question I love it um yeah I mean I think a lot of times when people think about feminists they think it's like this monolithic thing you know and like all feminists believe the same way but actually one of the areas where Feminists really diverge in in beliefs and um, practice is around sex, Mm -hmm. you know, and those battles are still being (laughs) waged. Um, You know, I was just having a conversation with some colleagues about that today, you know, that, you know, and I think, I think that a lot of feminists like really judge sex work. Um, I think that's a place where we see that show up. Um, You know, there are some, you know, pornography, um, certainly like the sale of sex, um, and this idea that women couldn't possibly be consenting to
0: that, right? You know, right?
1: And I don't, I, I don't see that as feminist. I actually see that as super disempowering to women. I see that as perpetuating this idea that we can't take agency over our sexuality and decide I'm going to use it in this way. I mean, you might not choose to use yours that way. That's fine. Mm-hmm. There's no imperative to do that. Um, but who is who am I to say, oh, you can't use your body for erotic education or um, for, you know, whether it's, you know, erotic dancing or, you know, some other version of sex work. Um, I think that's super valuable. Yeah. I actually think sex work is really, really important and it serves some really important functions for people. Um And this idea that we can't really consent to that because we're just part of this patriarchal structure that, you know, disempowers us. And so how could, you know, and and there's this like, you know, power imbalance and how could we possibly be in an empowered state uh, around those kinds of choices? I think that's outrageous and it's just not true.
0: Not to mention that it keeps sex work dangerous and um, in the shadows and there's more risks for women who are doing sex work because of those belief systems.
1: Yep, totally. Mm -hmm. You know, I was telling you earlier, I was interviewed on Playboy TV this morning and, you know, they had women there who were like, I guess they probably call them the models Um, and they wanted me to come in and talk about masturbation and so there were women there who had, you know, they they actually had them paint with finger paints onto paper that was sort of like they were holding, kind of, you know, in their crotch area between their legs as if it were their genitals. It's kind of like showing, like, oh, these are the strokes that I really like, and they they made these like masturbation paintings, which was like awesome. Yeah, I was like, you know, and these women were fully consenting to that. You know, they were topless. You know, it's Playboy, right? Um you know but I'm there with them we're having this great dynamic conversation we're all playing a role and I thought it was awesome I thought that like that was like total props you know (laughs) to Playboy for like the way they organize that I'm like I want to do that with the women in my program that's (laughs) great I love it what a great way to teach that yeah um those women were consenting adults. No one was making them be there. They were in their bodies. They were enjoying being in their bodies and using their bodies to to teach and and also to be sexy and erotic and make the show fun. And like, th- there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And there's a lot of um, feminists who would would disagree, you know, mm-hmm. hugely. Um, so I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I think sex work and that whole realm, the whole realm of commerce around sexuality. Yeah. You know, whatever that commerce looks like. Um, I think people have, can have a lot of trouble with, you know, for me, it's really about like, to me, my brand of feminism is I'm here to like help you, you know, we're going to look at the, the cultural lies you've learned. We're going to look at the gender roles that you're playing. We're going to deconstruct, you know, the story that you've learned around sexuality and around your body and around your own power and and help you really create it in the way that you want to create it, um, and it doesn't have to be, and it's not going to be the way I would create my own, mm. you know. But the, the point is that you're going to create it of your own volition, um, and I'm going to help, and I'm going to be that guide, um, and you're going to have support to do that, you know. To me, as long as women are like are are given tools to really tap into their own desires and their own yes and their own no. Um, if they are saying yes to something, they get to say yes to that. I don't get to tell them not to. I don't get to like slap this patriarchal, you know, uh, label on that act of of self possession. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of feminists are doing. And I, I I strongly disagree with that. I mean, there are some feminists who think that all intercourse is by nature rape. Because of the power imbalance of male and female bodies, I mean that's a super extreme, radical feminist perspective. But there are feminists who believe that. You know, I'm not in the same camp with them. We don't we don't subscribe to the same feminism.
0: Right, right, and I, yeah, it's why feminism sort of, you know, has a branding issue right now, um, and not a lot of. I don't know the percentage but it seems to me like a more and more younger women are not identifying as feminists there's there's something new that needs to be created or a reclaiming i'm not sure mm-hmm. um but i'm fascinated by that piece and that there's women out there that'll be like i'm not a feminist and i'm like what <laughs> yeah. but they're they're looking at this other what i consider kind of an older but it, I'm I'm sure, it still exists, like this mm-hmm. radical, yeah,
1: yeah, they still exist. And unfortunately, they're the ones that uh, Fox News is always happy to invite on. Oh, you yeah. know, oh yeah. um, but if they invite you know someone who's like pro porn or pro sex work or you know, just pro women sexual agency, we always have to have you know the counterpoint or we we it gets talked about um, in a very different way. And uh, and I think that the setup is always there to kind of have people questioning that perspective in a way that they don't question these really conservative perspectives that might be more in line with some of the fundamentalist religious ideas that are right. really actually still very strong, I think, in this country and in the way that we um, create a cultural story.
0: hmm Yeah. Oh, well, there's definitely more to get into there, but, um, what else, anything else you have going on, like coming up, any cool classes that you want to let people know about or anything yeah. else? Yeah.
1: I always have things going on. The best thing definitely is just for people to join my mailing list, um, I send out articles and videos every week, and in my there's always a "Where's Amy Jo" section, you know. <laughs> my team can barely keep track of me. Uh, you know, I travel a lot to teach, so I would love to see people come out to a class. Um, I have bigger programs, you know. I think if, if people are really resonating with the nine elements and kind of the perspective and the things that we're talking about um, this year, I I just launched a virtual program where i'm actually taking people through those nine elements so each month we're focusing on one and um The group of women is just awesome who've shown up for this. I am so delighted. So there's still room for people to join that um, because everything's recorded. So even if you've missed a couple classes, we can catch you up. Um, So that's going on pretty much through the rest of 2015. So I would love if people wanted to join that. Um, And then the bigger class, that's virtual, uh, that's online. And then the bigger class that I teach um, once a year is my Women's Sexual Empowerment Program. So we're taking applications for that. And that starts in December, and, uh, you know, I'm in the middle of a group right now, and... And that's and, uh, in person. That's in person, yeah. It's a nine-month program, so people, um, the group comes together for four weekends over nine months. So about every two months, we have a weekend retreat. Each retreat has a theme, um, and you know, we have group coaching calls throughout the program. And, and so the group is the group, there's so much bonding that happens in the group. We, we, we take those deep dives in the weekends and then, and then we're checking in online and, and by phone throughout. So that's the thing I love the most. Um, so if people feel like moved to really, have a deep dive I'm moved dive. <laughs> I, I want more
0: Amy Joe time <laughs> <laughs> Come do it I'd love
1: to have you Okay cool yeah. well thank you so much Yeah thank you thanks for having me on